Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back to episode 28 of the Bash Mania podcast. I am your host, Justin Bash, and I am, per the usual, excited for today's guest. 2017 World Silver Medalist and 2020 Olympic hopeful Thomas Gilman stops by the show. Gilman has one of the biggest personalities in the sport, and I couldn't be more excited to have today's conversation with him. If you haven't subscribed, be sure to subscribe. Gilman is one of dozens and dozens of great guests on the show, and there's no shortage of entertainment. So if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, be sure to subscribe. And if you want to support the podcast, I'm selling a limited number of short and long sleeve Bashamania t-shirts. On the back, it says the first 25 with the last names of the first 25 guests. So send us a message on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever, and we'll get you hooked up with that. For now, let's get into today's show with Iowa Hawkeye, Thomas Gilman. It's Bashamania! Let me tell you something, brother. He gave us everything he had in him tonight. What you gonna do? What Bashamania runs wild? Oh, it's gonna be a good one. And business just picked up here on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, world silver medalist, Thomas Gilman. How are you, man? Good. How are you? I'm good. And I got so much I want to talk to you about. So I think it's best. Let's go back to the beginning. Talk to me about how you got started wrestling. Uh, I think just kind of like a lot of other guys, you know, just through my father. Um, My dad wrestled. um, Then it kind of, you know, whatever your dad's into, he tries to get you into. So um that's how i kind of got started and was it something that you knew right away you wanted to be good like i've I've seen the flow film the love me or hate me and i want to pull from that in various spots and for some people who haven't seen it and people who have i know you said right away like you wanted to be good at it where did that come from when you're that young i feel like sometimes it's hard to know if you're uber committed to something you seemed super committed right away how did what was it that got you super committed and, and feeling like uh, I know you said right away you wanted to be an Olympic champ. Right. Yeah. So I think it's a couple things. Um, I think the first thing is just kind of like a childish kind of thing. It's a funny little story. But um, before I started wrestling, going to practice and stuff, my dad took me to a practice and, um, you know, just go kind of see what was going on, see if I was even interested, you know. And right. uh, I remember the coach had the guys lined up and they're doing double leg drills and uh, of course, you know, you got to be a good partner. You double leg and then the other guy double legs. Yep. And so I looked at my dad. I said, yeah, I, I want to do this. You know, I want to take guys down, but I don't know about getting taken down. I don't like, you know, somebody tackling me. Right. And he looked at me and I'll never forget. He said, well, just don't get taken down. <laughs> like it's that easy, right? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, all right, deal. Let's do it. So I went back the next day and got on the mat and the rest is history. And I'm curious, when you're that young and you know, like even from a from a childish standpoint of, okay, I did this, I want to be the best, and you obviously knew what a you know 20-year timetable it would be to accomplish your dreams, how did you continue to get better, especially when you were young and you don't really have 
so many coaches and you don't kind of have what you have, let's say in your 20s as resources, how did you level up so early on to continue to get better? I think it was just um, a little bit of divine intervention, to be honest. I, uh, you know, obviously I started wrestling and I had, you know, a handful of coaches uh, when I was little and, and my, my dad, of course. And then I remember there's a, a point in my career, I, I can say that when my dad was like, hey, I've taken you as far as I can. It's kind of time to turn you over to, to somebody right. else. So we kind of started looking, you know, around the local community for, you know, better options as far as workout partners and coaches. And I came across um, Brad Hildebrandt, who was the head coach of uh, Omaha Scott Catholic. Yep. If you know anything about uh, wrestling in the Midwest, Coach Hildebrandt's the best. You know, he we, he ran a streak of, I think we went 13 years, you know, of winning state titles consecutive. Um, and so, uh, we hooked up with Brad and, and Brad was a, a phenomenal coach and great mentor to me. Um, and he had a, you know, he wrestled in, in um, in college D2 at UNO. Unfortunately, there's no longer a program there, but, yeah. um, he modeled a lot of his stuff off, off of Iowa here. So, um, you know, he kind of developed me, you know, physically, uh, technically and also, but more than that mentally. So from there, it just kind of catapulted me uh, from high school into college, and obviously, everyone knows the history there with Tom and Terry Brands and and Mark Perry now. So, uh, just kind of, you know, I, I can't say it was all planned. It was it was just kind of one thing led to another, and, and there's a certain amount of um, divine intervention, I'd say. And when you're young, I'm always curious because I feel like it's always a, a conversation, um, especially in the Olympic years when what means the most an olympic a world or an ncaa championship did you have like a one two three out of those three like starting when you're young on what you wanted to do like where did the olympic dream come from like how young were you when that started um as long as i can remember um so long ago and i was so young that i remember um that I remember, you know, doing some shadow wrestling and stuff when I was real little, and, and I'd, I'd kind of go through these scenarios of how I would wouldn't how I would win the Olympics, you know, and, and what I would do to celebrate and this and that, and uh, it's kind of a funny thing to think about, but, um, and I was so young that I wanted to win the Olympics in freestyle, Greco, and folk style, <laughs> so I didn't even realize That's awesome. that it was, you know, two styles, and then as I got older, you know, I was like, oh well, the folk style is not in the Olympics. Right. So uh, I, that I kind of lost my focus and folk style a little bit for a few years. It's like I just want to wrestle freestyle and Greco. I was going to go the Henry Cejudo route. You yep. know, I was like, I don't need to go to college. I'm just going to do this. But um, yeah, it's definitely been uh, number one was the Olympics. Yep. Obviously, I think for everybody that knows anything about uh, the epitome of the sport, you know, you want to be an Olympic champion first and foremost. Uh, then second was a world champion. And third was NCAA champion. And uh, not to take over the whole podcast, but, you know, I was telling the story the other day to somebody, you know, uh, in 17 after um, after the national championship, I kind of had like a, I don't know, a coming to Jesus moment, you know, like I'm never going to be an NCAA champion. Yep. You know, that's not, never going to happen for me. So I had to figure out how to move forward from that. But then I was thinking, I was kind of going through some of my notes, my goal book and things like that. I never set a goal to be an NCAA champion champion interesting everything in my goals was i want to be a world olympic champion i want to be a world olympic champion so um you know i maybe lost track a little bit maybe it was immaturity you know uh now i know there's a such thing as 
process and product goals. Yep. So maybe um, the NCAA champion was a process goal that I kind of overlooked, but um, you know, there's no looking back now. I, I got a world silver medalist, and uh, you know, the next thing is Olympic gold. So that's what we're looking for now. And you know, you you mentioned a point that I want to kind of talk about a little later on, but we'll kind of use it as a a launch pad for now. After. I think the story is fascinating with you saying, like, I'll never be an NCAA champion, coming to that realization and moving on right away, like not dwelling. There was no like time off. How did you maintain that proper perspective? And has that been something that's always been a strength, the strength of yours to have that like proper perspective? Like, when did that start developing as you're going through your youth and middle school and high school career? I think it's just having um, just good people around me. Yep. You know, I, I've always kind of surrounded myself or attempted to surround myself with the best people. You know, that started, you know, from day one. You know, I have a I have amazing parents and, and I don't have the ideal childhood or the perfect childhood. But, you know, my parents did a lot for me and helped me develop a lot that way and great grandparents. And they've always gave me good perspective and made me grateful for what I have and and uh, so sometimes when things don't go your way, you got to kind of take a step back and look at the bigger picture and say, hey, you know, you got to quit sucking your thumb. Right. It's going to come up tomorrow and you got to get back to work. And that's kind of been a theme of my life, kind of, you know, just being a, you know, I like to think of myself as a hard worker and everyone around me is, you know, hard worker, you know, going to work with my grandpa, you know, he's 82 years old and he's still working every day. It's amazing. You know, so it's like, um, those are the people I looked up to. So if, if, uh, you're hurt or you're banged up or you're sick. It, it doesn't matter. You got to get up right. out of bed and you got to go to work. So, you know, tying that into my wrestling and moving on from losses or things that didn't necessarily go my way. You know, I, you know, you lose or something happens, you know, that sucks. You got to take your time to, to kind of be emotional about it and, yep. and look it in the eye. And, but you got to take a step back and say, Hey, you know, world's still turning you gotta do your job and whatever's next you know the the most you know tom brand says it all the time the most important thing is the thing that's right in front of us the thing that's next you know so um the most important thing isn't what just happened to me so if you keep sucking your thumb and dwelling on that then you know you're gonna you're gonna fall behind because the world world moves fast and and speaking of both brands and and trusting those around you like i've heard the story about when you were at an Iowa intensive camp and you were going through like five workouts a day and somebody who was only going through like two from Kansas, I think beat you or something and brands put his arm around you after like, you you can't let that, you know, mean much to you. What did it mean when you started developing that relationship with brands like your coach in high school, Hildebrand, who you had that relationship with? Like, I feel like that's that's something so many people crave is is good, healthy relationship with coaches that they can trust. What did it mean to go to Iowa and continue to have that level of trust in a coach where you can keep surrounding yourself with people who you know are the best thing for you? Yeah, it's um, it's uh. I don't know if I'm actually going to answer that question. I don't know if I know how to answer that question exactly, but it's a, it's a two way street. You know, it's not just a, uh, it's not just a, a mentor, you know, coach athlete, you know, in the, in the beginning it is right. So in the beginning it was, you know, Tom put his arm around me saying, Hey, you know, don't sweat it. It's not a big deal. It's camp or practice. Yeah. 
but as you know as you get older as you develop through that relationship it becomes more of a more of a relationship so i kind of think about you know uh like a parent you know when you're young your parent kind of coddles you protects you looks over you yep. there's not a you can give back to your parent right but as you get older you start developing they you know you're learning from them you start giving back to them so they so you start to meet in the middle and yep. so i've kind of had um a growing process you know between me and my coaches and the, the program where you know a lot was given to me in the beginning and, and now um it's starting to you know kind of meet in the middle where there's more give and take where i'm giving some and they're taking some or sure you see what i'm saying so it's yeah. a it's a it's always evolving and so um just having that trust and not only um your coaches but also yourself knowing that uh there's a lot of worth in in me yep. you know so totally so yeah and then you know going to iowa like it's funny because so many people think if you have a good coach or you have this, like there's not the amount of adversity you have. And I think you've always had adversity publicly and you've dealt with it really well. Like I know you're, you know, losing to Clark early on at the Luther Open for the starting spot was devastating to you, but you maintain the proper perspective of like, he's the guy. He beat me. He's got the spot. Like I want the best for him. Did did having those relationships with your coaches help develop that perspective? Like that's not that you're anytime somebody's in college, you're 18 to 22, you're young, you're emotional. Like it, it takes time to develop that proper perspective. And you seem to have nailed it early on. Like what was it that helped instill that in you to have that perspective of like, okay, especially now where it's like somebody loses the wrestle off and they're in the transfer portal and they're gone. Like there's no loyalty or nothing. You kind of took the high route of like, yeah, he beat me, but number one, I'm not done. And number two, I'm going to support him in the interim. How did you keep that kind of perspective? I think it's just, it's, um, it started long before I got here uh, to college. You know, I think it's just tells you what kind of person you are, show, yep. shows you how, what kind of person you are. You know, you can't, um, at the end of the day, you know, uh, we're all on the same team, right? We're all teammates. We all want the, the same thing. We all, I want to make you better. You want to make yep. me better. Um, that just kind of simplifies it a little bit. But uh, I don't know. I think it's just um, really just comes down to what kind of person you are. You know, if yep. – because if, uh, I think about it, you know, I still wrestle with this. You know, I wrestled with it, um, you know, in 2019 when sure. – when, uh, fixes is wrestling the world. You know, it's like, am I going to sit here and sit on my thumb, suck right. on my thumb and, and, uh, want him to lose because he beat me, you know? And then, you know, those dots do come to your right. head you know? and, and, but you got to wrestle with those. And it's like, is that really the kind of person I want to be? Is that how I want to be judged? And like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to be that kind of person. So those are the kind of, you got to wrestle with those things and, and just kind of step back and realize that, you know what? It's it's making me a better person. You know, he he was better than me on that day and yep. on that match and period. And you know, so what? Get better. You know, that's all it comes down to. I can't bring him down or try to tear sure. tear the program down or, or whatever just because I didn't get my way. That's pretty pretty uh, selfish of me. And, and and sadly, you do see it a lot. Like you see the poor sportsmanship, and, and wrestling's a brutal sport. So like. I can't sit on the sidelines and judge anybody for anything, but I do have that appreciation for when somebody acts like that and they acts like you did and, and takes the high road there. And a, another time that I think was, was really cool was, and, and 
it's it's not only cool because it's cool because I can relate to it, but I'm curious in the perspective in it of, you know, after you lose to Cruz at NCAA's, you you wanted to right the wrongs, but you had to let it go. Like you said to yourself, okay, I'm never gonna be an NCAA champ. And I feel like so many times great stories get told after the fact. And you're telling it in a time where it's now three, four years ago, and it's such a small piece of time. But when you're in it, there's those days where minutes feel like hours. Mm-hmm. What did you do then that helped you not get sidetracked? Like, I, I know your story. So I know, like, you, you read a lot of books. You visit a lot of coffee, coffee shops, rode your bike. Like, I know those, like, activities. But again, when you're in it, those minutes feel like hours. How did you maintain that perspective? Because you had it at that point. But you had it's so easy to get distracted by what other people say or what other people think you should be doing or holding yourself to a standard that maybe doesn't exist because you just think this. How did you continue through like those, you know, whether it's the first couple of days or weeks, whatever that time period is of maintaining that perspective in the moment? Yeah, I think uh, it just comes down to, like you said, like right away and uh just kind of throwing a little tidbit in there, you know, Tom Brands always says, you are your own best coach. Yep. So what does that mean to you? What does that mean to me? What does that mean to people listening? Um, to me, after, you know, suffering a loss or some kind of adversity, routine. So I get, you got to stick with your routine. That's how I am. Yep. Follow your routine, no matter what, win, lose, draw, you gotta you gotta get in your routine. So you know, just using that cruise loss as a as a example or a reference point. You know, there there was nothing that changed in my routine after I lost that match. Whether I won that match or lost that match, I came off the mat, I cooled down, I did what I needed to do, I cut my weight. Um, you know, somewhere in there, you know, there's a time where you have to kind of find a spot to be alone and, and just let it go you know just because it's an emotional process you know you right. gotta give yourself five minutes Set five minutes i'm gonna sulk i'm gonna just cry like a baby and yep. feel sorry for myself but after that we're back to business and so just staying in that routine and just doing what you know is right because everyone knows what's right uh you know right. even in the yeah when you're yep you're you're seeing red red with fury and anger but you know just you know, just following a routine, talking yourself through the, through the situation. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of routine and, and the development process, I'm also curious of you've developed such a, a strong personality. And I know you, you said that, like, going into Iowa, you were really shy. What do you think helped bring out the personality and not kind of hold yourself back from a shyness standpoint? I think because your your personality has come out and, and you know, there is that love me or hate me, even though both I believe and you believe more people love you. What was it or was there anything even specific that kind of allowed you to let go and not be so shy anymore, especially those early years going into Iowa? I think just, um, just putting myself out there more, you know, I've always kind of been, um, like an introvert and whatever, but, uh, just like kind of, I, I do have a lot of things to say and I have a lot of things to act on and I yeah. just started kind of saying them, you know, and, and then one thing led to another or one interview led to another interview and, and it just kind of, 
you know, I was like, this is kind of fun, you know, just kind of putting myself out there right. and, and voicing my opinion. Cause you know, even now, sometimes, you know, I, I bite my tongue maybe when I shouldn't and <laughs> right. say things when I shouldn't, you know? So yep. it's a, it's a learning process, but just, it, it's kind of been a, a fun experience for me just kind of putting myself out there and, and seeing yeah. what happened. And you have had those, those, your fair share of moments that were like viral, like, right? Like jumping into the Minnesota corner or where Piccinini tells you like, see you at nationals. And you're like, you don't want to see me at nationals. You know, all these little, like th these nuances of stories. What do you, what goes through your mind kind of after the fact? Is there that like, you know, I'm curious because you just said like, you, you feel good after the fact because you're letting your personality out. You're kind of, you're, you're, you're letting yourself be more of you. Is it that, you you got it off your chest so you feel great or is it more often than not i shouldn't have said there like what's the balance of that i think i think um it's kind of both so in, in situations like that like with the some people think I, like everything's like an act or it's like uh right that it's a character so you're playing right. like, i have this persona that i need to you know live up to but right it's it's, it's not anything like that so you know, with the pitch knee thing or the Minnesota going to the bench, you know, it's not a – I don't have this persona that I'm trying to live up to, you know. Right. Especially then, you know, I, I was in the development of my persona, if anything. So, right. you know, I just – you know, everyone knows the sport of wrestling. You know, you're fired up. It's a fight, you know, you versus another guy, and you're into it with your teammates, and, and it's us versus them, and it's a battle, right? So there's all this emotion that builds up, and you just – you just act. You don't really think. You just act. And then sometimes, you know, I I look back. I'm like, oh man, I would. <laughs> I don't know if that was like very cool to do, but you know, you, you don't think about it in the moment. You just you just do it. Do you have a favorite moment of like that? Like it's not a persona, but if you had a favorite persona moment, do you have like a favorite? Uh, I don't know. I there's so many things that that I don't remember that people bring back to me just because, <laughs> you know, but. It's probably um, probably my senior year at Minnesota because uh, I kind of got in this routine of, of running across the mat to shake hands because yeah there because uh, you know they call your name you run out there and you stand out there for however long like an idiot and you wait <laughs> for the guy to come meet you in the middle to shake your hand and then you go back to your corners you know yep. and I was like I don't feel like standing out there it wasn't anything <laughs> against anybody i just didn't, right. didn't feel like standing there you know i wanted to get out there shake hands go back because 125 pounder most times you're you're up first so right. i want to get back get yep. my routine and get ready to go um and if i could do that a little bit quicker i was going to do it and so i started doing that and then it kind of turned into you know a little <laughs> bit of a psychological warfare thing where i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna take the mat yep. and i'm gonna run across there i'm not gonna give you the opportunity to come out and then so then it kind of turned, you know, what kind of developed, you know, from like an anxiety thing into like yeah. a confidence thing, yeah. the logical warfare. Um, and then in Minnesota, they, they got all worked up about it. They, they were pushing <laughs> me and whatever, and the guy wouldn't shake my hand. And it was, it was fun. You know, it was fun. Yeah. It's little, showmanship. Yeah, I like it. You know, a little, little uh, showmanship, a little emotion, you know. Right. Not just your typical play right um because some guys i think are too nice totally you know, like 
they don't they say the right things they do the right things which you know you got to be respectful you got to be a, a sportman but at the same time you show a little personality and, and let your emotion come out sometimes uh, not too much but a little bit um and then Lee Zach, man he was whipping me <laughs> and then uh that whole crowd they're they're really fired up they're really thinking they're gonna have something something for to to was to that the one when he said that like his coach said like you only have seven takedowns. He's got to take you down seven times to win or something yeah, like that. Right. He said, "Don't worry, he's got to take you down <laughs> seven times to beat you." <laughs> takedown, takedown, pin. Yeah, and I, I'm not very good at math, so I was like, "Thanks for doing that math for me." I have to get seven. <laughs> but uh, I think they forgot about the the fall. Yeah. You know, in wrestling, you can put them away, knockout punch. You know, but anyways, that that's probably probably yeah. That was an awesome moment. And speaking to the psychology of it all, I'm curious too. So going back, kind of fast forwarding, I guess a little bit to, you know, you were talking about, I think in the flow film about how you thought Ramos was like stressed watching the mini tournament, or you heard that he was stressed watching the mini tournament. I'm curious of number one, do you think it's not as big of an advantage as people make it out to be to sit out and then Let's talk about that first, then I'll get to the next one. Do you think it's not as big an advantage to sit out? I think that um, people make it a bigger advantage than it is. It's definitely an advantage. Right. But I don't think it's as big a, of an advantage as people think. It, it kind of depends on who you are. Yep. You know, some like some guys do better if if, if, if they can just go out and, and – go two and oh and that's it you know yep. the less the better they can just they you know maybe their their uh physiques are different they don't, they don't like the wear and tear on their body or, or their body can't handle you know six seven matches in a day back right. then um but i don't know i think like where i'm at mentally if uh if i'm sitting out it's an advantage for me because i'm fresh i'm good to go you know mine's yep. fresh body's fresh if um if I have to go through the tournament, it's an advantage for me because I'm warmed up, ready to go. I'm I'm a durable guy. Yep. I I, uh, I probably do better after I have three or four matches under my belt. Um, that saddle's warm. You know, we're we're ready to rock and yep. roll. So it just kind of depends on um on where you're at mentally. And I'm curious too in the second part of that. You know, I think there's or maybe I'm wrong here, but I'm curious what it could be. The parallel between sitting out for a tournament where you're sitting the finals and I know you you've talked about how how much you can get get on a roll and get momentum and I'm curious of the parallel of when you when you take more time off than not like last year after final x you probably had more time off than normal and you're coming into this year probably feeling more fresh than you've been and I'm curious on on that parallel between having more time off in a year and, and being kind of fresh, like you've, you've gone all over the place and, and you by no means like took time off, but if you're not on the world team, you, you just by default have more time to, to do whatever. Do you think you use that time as a benefit to the, like right before the Olympic year? I think, I think so. Um, for me, I mean, I, I sound like I'm a crazy person, but for like every, whatever situation I'm in is, is best for me because that makes sense. I get that. I mean, that's just the way it is. And there's no, I would have it no other way. I would not, you know, if I could go back and change things, I would not 
want to be the world team member last year, as crazy as that sounds, because that's not what was meant to be. Right. Um, so I think that time I needed that time between Final X and now, let's say, yep. to get my mind right and yep. my body right. And uh, I think I was doing a lot of um, just maintenance, a lot of maintenance yep. between uh, January of 18 until Final X of 19. There's just there's some one major incident that happened in there where it was just kind of set me back and and i it was just maintenance right i was just trying to stay up with the flow and i needed that break to kind of like stop and reset and say hey we can't just keep keeping up we gotta we gotta take a break and we gotta reevaluate and we gotta improve and we gotta improve exponentially because there's X, Y, and Z that I need to do and get better at if I'm going to be an Olympic champion. And if I get better at those, I will be an Olympic champion. If not, I won't be. Right. So it's a good time for, for reflection and kind of re-gearing towards um, something bigger. And I'm curious, too, with that time off and, and that time of maintenance and reflection, you know, you, you've had your fair share of, of big moments that are, are talked about. And I know I've never been in in the spotlight, but on a small scale, I love when things happen, hopping on social and joining the conversation a bit or seeing what's going on. And you've never really wanted that. Did you ever get curious of like, what are people talking about? Not, Not from a standpoint of like, what do they think of me? But just like, you know, if I release an episode of the podcast, I wanna hear what people liked or didn't like. I wanna kinda use social as like a sounding board. Did you ever right. kind of get curious and want to hop on social during any of those bigger moments or downtime? Either way, like I know you, you haven't really been on social, yeah. And you know it is what it is. But have you ever wanted to get on, especially maybe during those moments or during the downtime of things? Um, I really haven't. I've never had like that itch to kind of get on there or have someone else look on there for me because I don't have a profile or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that. I don't know. I just never, I think the biggest thing for me, um, just going way back to when I was a freshman in college, having a conversation with Terry Brands, like, um, it's just, for me, it's always kind of been a, a little bit of a distraction. Yep. You know, it's just like one more thing in your life that just, and it's kind of clutter, you know, it's not a necessity. It's like, like kind of any more like a cell phone. You got to have, you have to have a cell phone. You just got to it. The right. way our world moves fast. Um, but social media, you don't really need it, you know? So is this one thing that um, was maybe a distraction as I got, you know, more into school and more into my education, you know, I could fill that void with, you know, reading and books and, and quality time with people I love and having conversations instead of, flipping through my phone and seeing what people are talking about, you know, it just was never a necessity for me. Um, and beyond that, I figured people were talking more smack than, than I'd like (laughs) to hear anyways, you know, and and I'm a guy that would get on there and probably fire back at them and (laughs) it wouldn't be probably very beneficial for anybody. So has it changed recently as you start to, you know, once you graduate college, you kind of, transition from not you're obviously training the same amount but you now have to worry about your livelihood and making money and building a brand 
does does building the brand and you know you work so hard and college wrestlers especially have so much relevance that i feel like even if you win the olympics it's hard to maintain that relevance and so many are trying to capitalize off the relevance they have right now to set themselves up in the future does that start to change at all how you think like maybe i should do this if not like i know for me i never got on social because i cared i started my company in 2008 and I started a Facebook like six months later because I saw, okay, people are using this. I can reach people for free. It was a business tool. And since then, I've definitely, you know, I think it's net positive no matter how much negative there are. But do you start thinking about the brand side of it now that you're into that portion of your career? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, so it's funny. My fiance has brought this up multiple times throughout the year saying, Hey, you know, cause she, she has social media and the Instagram, yeah. um, is the big one. Um, but you know, you see guys on there and they, they post about whatever, and then they get something for free, right. you know, or they get a sponsorship or like you're saying, like building that brand. And, and I've talked to some individuals, you know, about, you know, about the social media and it, it is appealing, uh, in that aspect, you know, just kind of from a business perspective and a brand right. perspective, you know, um, just kind of, do you think at that point it would distract you? Or do you think at that point you could kind of separate the two? Like, are you afraid to dive in from the brand standpoint because you don't want to get distracted on the personal like competition side? Um, I don't think, I think I just get nervous because yeah. I, I just, it's, it's new, right? So, yeah. um, I know I think I'd have to have a like a plan, like a like a like a plan and have somebody help me. Sure. You know, with my fiance and, and just kind of figure out what the best thing for me is. Cause I I don't wanna like make one and like be on there all the time. Right. And so uh I mean I'm not I'm not like a hardliner, I'm not against it. Right. I don't I don't like you said, I think it's made probably net positive from a business perspective. Yeah. As long as it doesn't become a distraction, as long as it stays business and not right. personal. And where do you see the, the, the Gilman brand evolving to? Like have you given much thought? Like so many wrestlers, I'm curious, they're you know, some know they want to go coaching, some they, they I think they think that they're their brand is all contingent on success or failure. Like, have you given much thought to the big picture on where you want the Gilman brand to go? Uh, I mean, I, I haven't really thought about that. You know, I think, um, I don't know. I mean, the brand kind of thing is kind of, it's funny thing to think about for me. Right. I, I'm, you know, I'm a humble guy. I come from humble, humble roots, you know, you know, if people were talking to me about, a brand 10 years ago, I'd be like, you're crazy right. you know, in a brand. But uh, I don't know. I don't think, um, I used to think that, um, like my worth was set just in my, um, winnings and losings, yep. uh, to a certain extent it is obviously, you know, but of course. Um, I don't think my worth as a, as a person is tied up in that anymore. That's right. kind of how I've grown is if I lose this tournament, if I lose this or lose that, it doesn't, you know, maybe it makes my worth go down a little bit. People aren't going to pay as much money to hear me talk or right. um, come coach here or coach there. But my worth as a person, that doesn't go down. It probably goes up because I learn a lot more from that. Um, but I don't know. My brand, think about my brand. Um, I'm a very unique person. I don't totally. It's not tied to just the sport of wrestling. There's so many things that I'm interested in outside of the sport. You know, I, I'm looking in my backyard here. I got, 
you know, I got my chickens and my, my garden and all this stuff, you know, this, I could, I could really expand this pretty, pretty far beyond the sport of wrestling, I think. And, and that's one reason that I've always, you know, I, I've talked to some people that are adamantly against social and are adamantly for it. And me being in marketing for a living, I see what makes it net positive and not everybody can always get there. But like somebody like you, you know, if you if somebody's not working on their brand or they're not sharing the other components to their life, like you love gourmet coffee, you love reading, you you love your girlfriend's fiance's dog, like all these things, there there is so much more to athletes than just a sport. And I think social media allows us to share that, right? Like if you have all these other things, how many people know you have chickens in your backyard, right? Like social does allow us to kind of share those things. And, and that's why I'm always curious because like you said, wrestling is a very humble sport. Most wrestlers, like now it's a little bit different where kids are coming up and they have tens of thousands of followers. And I think it's kind of a different world where you, you start thinking you can be influencer influential or be an influencer whatever it is um so yeah i'm curious I'm, I'm curious about where that goes in the next five to ten years with because i know like when when lee was on the podcast he's the same thing it's like no not really interested in it you know i'm on it but my girlfriend tells me to post more and that's it yeah it's a it'll be interesting to see where it goes because everything's moving so fast in this world anymore so right and, uh and speaking of moving fast, ch- changing gears a little bit here. Next week, you you go to Italy, get back on the map. How are you feeling? What are you looking forward to most about going to Italy to compete? The weather. <laughs> nah, just kidding. Uh, I'm looking forward to the weather in Krasnyarsk. I'm going from Rome to uh, Krasnyarsk, Siberia, yep. Russia. So I, the, I've been following the weather. It's hovering right right around zero, a little, little below. So I'm looking forward to the weather there. Didn't you just win like a fur coat the last time you were over there? Yeah. Are you like bringing a, that? Like a, oh, that that would be hard to pack. <laughs> it's, yeah, that it's it's funny. It's uh, it's a little big, you know. So I'm a short, kind of a shorter guy, so it uh, it's kind of stiff, so it stands up off my shoulders a little bit. So it'd be hard to get on the plane, <laughs> in that sense. But yeah, I'm looking forward to competing. Um, I, I'm feeling good. Uh, it'll be, um, scratch weight. So that's good. Good, good deal there. Uh, get to see some, um, some different opponents. You know, there's three of us Americans going. And if you count me cheats as an American, which I don't, um, then there's four. Um, let's talk about that real quick. What do you think yeah. about when, when guys go and compete for different countries? I don't like it. I hate it. it. I'm adamantly against they it. They try them for treason. Yeah. I, that's what I think. But um, I'm a hard in, in that sense. I'm I'm a I bleed red, white, and blue. And if I'm gonna if I'm gonna fight for somebody, it's gonna be for America. You know, if not, then if you want to fight for somebody else, go live there. You know, right. don't don't reap the benefits of our country and our nation, um, and and represent another flag. That's how I think. Right. And they tried for treason. For all I care, you know, I think it's um good for the sport. Blah blah blah. Whatever. You know. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't. That that's my opinion. So, and and what is the trip like? Like knowing you have three Americans going, and you have you know Fix going, Cologne who is a world team member. 
what's it like when you know you're you're in essence on a trip with these guys and you're all going to to compete against each other and you all obviously have the confidence that you're going to make the Olympic team and that's why you're going to a ranking series event right to get seeding points what's what's the approach going into it like when you know you know, hey, this guy's got the same goal, and obviously it's the same domestic. But I feel like there's there's something more to it when I see USA versus USA overseas. I feel like it almost becomes harder, um, not to be friendly, but I just don't know what it's like to travel with somebody that you're going to be competing with. Yeah, there's certain there's a certain degree of um, awkwardness, maybe. Yeah. The normal individual, but I think it's just business. You know, it's it's uh, it's what it comes down to. It's business and. And you know what? That guy staying across from me on that line is is trying to take my livelihood, you know. So uh, when you put it in perspective like that, it's, it's you just take care of business and, and you put your blinders on and you take care of what you need to take care of. And whatever that guy's doing, I mean, he's probably doing it the best he can too. So you just worry about yourself. I don't think about things like that too much. You do, you know, you see him, whatever, but it'd be no different than going to the U.S. Open, you know. Right. Well, you know, you, and that's the thing too, like you. You know, one of the best guys at the weight, aside from you, is, is Spencer. And you guys are in the same room. Like, I'm assuming that it's the same perspective. Like, this is business. We both want the spot. We don't have to hate each other. It's just, it's business. Yeah, you, you take care of yourself. You start worrying about other people, then you're not worrying about yourself. So, uh, I just, yeah, I just try to worry about myself and, and take it one step at a time. Yeah, for sure. So before I let you go here, I'm just curious, you know, we're in that 90 day window right now where within 90 days, the Olympic team will be set. What is, are you doing anything different or is it going back to what you said um, after the loss, right? Where it's like routine kind of gets you through. Is it the same thing now leading up to a monumental event like the Olympic trials where it's just, I'm doubling down I mean, I'm sure you're 100% focused, so you can't double down. But is it that same thing where, like, it's just routine more than ever? I think for me at this point, it, it's um, just being relaxed, just being relaxed in my mind, my training, and not getting too um, too worked up and, and too um, uptight, you know. Um, just kind of having I, – I mean, as I'm saying this, I need to, you know, practice a little more. But um, just being relaxed and keeping – uh, avenues of communication open with the people that are closest to me and the ones I love the most, you know, cause sometimes, sure. uh, before I go off and do something stupid and lose <laughs> doing something stupid, like losing, you know, I, right. I usually start pushing people away and I get a little too ornery and then I come home and my fiance says, well, you know, I could have told you that was going to happen, you know? Um, yeah, it's but, self-awareness, which is hard. Yeah. Not a lot of people are self-aware. No, and just being humble enough to like listen to those around me when they're saying, "Hey, you need to chill out a little bit," or whatever. So just kind of just taking time to take a step back and, and look at the whole picture and, and not pushing pushing the people away that are trying to help me the most. And do you have more of a, a perspective now? Like we we kind of talked early on in the podcast, and I guess to bring it full circle, like are you enjoying this process? Like, and is that what part of being relaxed means? Is you're going to, you know, obviously talk about this for the rest of your life, win, lose, or draw. Is, is there that element of stepping back and enjoying this process of right now I'm an Olympic hopeful, I want to be an Olympic champion? 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, these next eight months, like all that unfolds. Is there that self-awareness to be able to say, I'm going to enjoy this process and not just like say it from a cliche standpoint, right? Everybody's like, oh, you know, it's not about the destination. It's about the journey. But few people actually enjoy that process. Like, Are you able to enjoy part of this process? Yeah, I think yeah, I got a couple of thoughts here. You sure. have to enjoy it. You know, you got, you got to, you know, something that um, we, you know, Terry Brands have been talking with the team a lot you know, starting last year through now, um, just having a process goal and enjoying that process. You know, if you're sitting there sucking your thumb, you're not enjoying the weight cut. Yeah. You got to take a step back and say, what am I doing it for then? Cause that's part of the process. That's part of the sport. That's part of your life. You got to, you know, in a demented kind of way, you got to enjoy those, those late nights where you're, you're going to go going and, and sauna and cut that weight. You know, so you have to be able to step like if you're feeling sorry for yourself, step back and say, well, why am I doing it then? You know, and um, yeah, you have to. And are you, you constantly to- evaluating those process goals in like I'm imagining a process goal would be more short term. So you're constantly evaluating. Is it working? Yeah. Is it not? Like, how is that an, a very often self-aware process? Yeah, it's an everyday, everyday thing, you know, going into going into practice, you know, you got to have an objective. And then you can't just go into practice willy nilly, just kind of throwing your hat in the ring and, and putting in the time. It's got to be focused time. It's got to be focused energy. You right. know? So having that, having that objective every single day, and, and it doesn't mean you're going to accomplish your objective, but you're moving towards something. And so you're not just um, just shooting aimlessly, just punching the air. You know, so just enjoying the process that way. It makes it easier sometimes. You know, when you have a a daily goal you wake up and like okay here's my goal for the day you sure. know, this is what i get, get accomplished you know if you don't get it accomplished no big deal you're still moving in the right direction right yeah i feel like that's where i would get hung up right as if i had a goal for tomorrow and maybe it's some kind of business goal and you don't hit it i feel like a lot of people get hung up in that specific goal and then they don't hit their goal on thursday and on friday they don't get out of bed right so i guess you got to kind of learn to to roll to punches and like you said you're still moving in the right direction Right. Yeah. I think it's all about just moving. You know, sometimes the hardest thing is just to move. You know, there's a Chinese proverb that says the journey of a thousand miles starts with one step. So you got to have that. You got to have that thousand mile journey in mind. You got to have that final destination in mind, but you got to take it one step at a time. You're not going to go, you know, if you look at your, your life and your journey, if I look at the Olympic games as as a whole, you know, that's pretty daunting. That's intimidating. You know, sure. I look at this field, you know, with, with all these tough international competition and domestic guys, you know, um, that's a daunting task. But if I break it up one day at a time and and, and um, one practice at a time, you know, it's, it's pretty easy that way. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, man, I'm sure you got to get some rest, read a couple books before you head out next week to Italy. I wish you the best of luck over there. And hope everything goes well, man. Appreciate that. Of course, man. And that is today's show. If you enjoyed this show, be sure to subscribe. Go back to the archives. There are dozens and dozens of NCAA World and Olympic champions that you can hear their stories of. So, again, be sure to subscribe. Check back soon for more episodes. And we'll see you next time. See ya. And the beat goes on.